Uncommon Sense with Leland Conway on 630KHOW, Denver's talk station. vote on Proposition HH does so many things, but let's be clear what it does not do. It does not lower your property tax bill to a dollar amount less than what you paid this past year. A yes vote creates a discount on your property tax increase for 10 years. Next year, your property tax bill will still go up, just not as much if Prop HH passes. The higher the value of your property, the more money you will save. A yes vote allows seniors to take the senior property tax exemption with them to new homes. Those who are 65 and older and have lived in their home for 10 or more years get a portion of their home's assessed value tax-free, and Prop HH makes the discount portable to new homes. A yes vote allows the state to keep and spend more each year than is currently allowed. That money would normally be refunded back to you as a Tabor refund. With the exception of next year, a yes vote reduces your future Tabor refunds and could eliminate them in some years depending on future unknown economic factors. More on what a yes vote means for next year's Tabor refund in a moment. The extra money that a yes vote allows the state to keep and spend would go to three areas. Some would go to local governments since they would be receiving fewer property tax dollars than if HH failed. Up to $20 million each year would go to a rental assistance fund. And the bulk of the money would go to school districts to pay them back entirely for the lost property tax revenue that would have existed if Prop HH failed, and money beyond that would go to the state education fund. A yes vote puts a limit on how much some local governments can collect in property tax revenue each year, unless those local governments hold a public meeting and vote to keep more than would be allowed. Now let's go back to the Tabor refunds part. Only if you vote yes will Tabor refunds next year be equal no matter your income level. That means if you make up to $99,000, you will get a larger Tabor refund. If you make more than $99,000, your Tabor refund will be smaller. In future years, everyone's Tabor refund would be reduced overall, with higher income earners seeing more dollars taken away. A no vote makes no changes to the current property tax structure. A no vote does not allow the state to keep and spend more money than is currently allowed. A no vote would distribute next year's Tabor refund based on your income level. Fewer dollars for low-income earners, much more Tabor refund dollars for high-income earners. A no vote sends the General Assembly right back to the table to do their job which is what they didn't do when Gallagher was repealed. There should have been a repeal and replace in mind when we had that on the ballot in the first place. It's why I and so many others were kind of whistling past the graveyard trying to warn people that if you repeal Gallagher, while it's not perfect, while it might not even be good, if you don't have something to replace it with, you leave this void and you saw what happened with property taxes. As Marshall Zellinger and I knew so uh, very adeptly outlined right there. Ryan Schuling filling in for Leland Conway. Welcome back to it. Our number two of Uncommon Sense. And joining us now, she is fighting that fight on the front lines in the General Assembly. She had a front row seat to the Nine News debate with Art Laffer and Governor Jared Polis. She was on the side of, uh, if you look at the uh, the entire 
picture and prospect of Advance Colorado is such a good cause, and Michael Fields is one of the bright lights shining young leaders in the modern GOP. He had some great lines. We'll get her responses to that. Joining us now, she's a Republican representing El Paso County in District 14 in the House. Representative Rose Puglisi joins us. Rose, thank you so much for your time. Well, thanks for having me today, Ryan. I really appreciate the invitation. Absolutely. I want to start right there, though, where I know Michael was taking this argument and that you were right in the middle of it. Why was a special session not called to address this issue specifically? I don't know that the governor really answered that um, or whether or not he would actually call a special session. But the reality is, and what we tried to really hit home is this, and you said it earlier, This was the legislature's job. We knew this was going to happen. Um, Senator Byron Pelton, Representative Lisa Frizzell, and I worked on um, a few different property tax bills and ideas before we were even sworn in in January because we knew this crisis was coming. And yet um, the governor didn't have the people at the table that actually rely on property tax. And so now is the opportunity for us to do it right. Um, People, the government doesn't need your permission to decrease your taxes, only to increase them. So this wouldn't be on the ballot, but for um, the governor trying to take your Tabor refunds. But the legislature needs to go back to work. Yeah, and basically why it's a no, no, a thousand times no is how Rose and I are going to vote, how I encourage and implore you to vote. And not only that, you've got to tell people who might not be as informed as you are listening to this program, but as plugged in, that no matter what the ballot language is on Prop HH, you are voting to give more of your money to the government to spend as they see fit. Now, there's a line from Michael I'll get to in a moment. But, Rose, I really wanted to get your response to what Jared Polis had to say out of the gate. Marshall Zellinger went right at him for some language changes that took place with some of the flyers he was putting out. Governor Polis, a prominent quote of yours in Yes on HH Advertising changed over the weekend after we truth-tested it for being false. And I want to show it on the screen. You can see it here on the left. The quote was, Prop HH is the only way we prevent devastating tax increases while still preserving Tabor refunds. The new quote on the right changes one word. Prop HH is the best way to prevent devastating tax increases while still preserving Tabor refunds. You now admit that voting yes on HH is not the only way, but you still falsely say it preserves Tabor refunds when they will shrink and perhaps go away. The question is, why deceive people about Prop HH if you think it's such a good idea? Well, I think it's the the best way by far. This is $13 billion of property tax cuts over 10 years. Now, they'll argue it's only $9 billion. We can talk about why our numbers are correct and theirs aren't. But let's say it's between 9 and $13 billion in tax cuts. The, when you estimate what it'll do to Tabor refunds, it'll reduce it by 2 to $3 billion. Again, they will argue it's 9 that it's somehow a wash, but that is not based on any historical data. Our analysis is simply based on uh, the last 10 years of how the economy worked. If you run the 10 years before that, it's pretty similar. Yes, this will, over 10 years, reduce Tabor surpluses by two, three billion dollars. The size of the tax cut is about $13 billion. The reason their figure is lower, they don't include the commercial tax cut and they don't include the truth in taxation mechanisms for cap for keeping tax rates low. We simply take the data that occurred from Utah, which has the same policy, apply it here. Savings are $13 billion. Representative Puglisi, this is what Jared Polis does. He did it in the debates with Heidi Ganahl. He does it when he's pressed in interviews for specific details. He's very slippery. He's very good at this. He goes out into the weeds and starts making your eyes 
eyes glaze over with these numbers and this shell game, which is what it is and what he's playing and trying to move things around. When you heard that answer up close and personal last night, what was your immediate reaction? It's incredibly frustrating. Um, that ad that they ran that, um, that Jared Polis endorsed had a lot of misconceptions. And I really um, give a huge shout out to Nine News for really dissecting that 15-minute ad. But he never did answer why he originally said it was the only way. Um, and then was like, no, 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 it's the best way. Sorry. Um, but you know, he's really trying, and I think the, the pro side really has put a lot of misinformation out there. And it's been incredibly frustrating to watch. Um, the governor knows that we could have fixed this in um, April. We could have fixed this during session. People could be paying lower property taxes. He won't commit to a special session where Republicans and Democrats probably have some solutions that really, truly will help people. And for me, you know, I, I do this work truly at a public service because we want to help the people. And so when you see propaganda like that going out, that um, that is not truthful. It's it's really difficult um, to hear. Representative Rose Puglisi joining us. District 14 is where she represents out of El Paso County in the Colorado General Assembly in the House. Well, Marshall Zellinger did follow up, did press Polis on the specific uh, issue with the language that you stated there, Rose, and this is how he responded. But I want to focus on the term. You had only, now it's best, so you were saying this was the only thing, and that wasn't true, and the, and the preserving. Tabor refunds could go away in those 10 years where if yeah. HH didn't exist, I might get a Tabor refund, and if HH exists, I might not. There will always be years with Tabor refunds and always years with no Tabor refunds. That's always been the case in the past. I think it's uh, five of the last 10 years have had Tabor refunds, five of them haven't. The good thing about a tax cut is it occurs every year. Even in a recession, when there's no Tabor surplus, you will get this tax cut. And that's the, that's the beauty and importance of this. People need the money even more when times are tough. And those are the years that don't have surpluses, where there's no refund to go out. You still get that tax cut. That's the main reason that this $9 billion and $3 billion figure are, are different. The projections they're using are these, I think, somewhat fictitious ones, that somehow there would be Tabor surpluses every year. It's never been the case. I would be willing to bet it's not going to be the case. It's just not the case that there's never any kind of setback or slow growth or recession. When there is, people, of course, don't give up a diamond surplus because there wouldn't be one, but they still get the full benefit of the tax cut, which is why the tax cut is worth so much more over the 10-year period. Rose, so Polis's argument there is some years there's Tabor refunds, some years there's not, but hey, if Prop HH is passed, you'll get a property tax cut every year what's your response so i think it's really important that people use the calculator now whether it's mypropertytaxco.com which is the one i like to use the csi calculator or the calculator that the state supplies in the blue book um, when you look at when i looked and did an analysis the amount of um again decrease on the increase so your taxes are not going down, but the amount of decrease on the increase versus how much I would be giving up in Tabor refunds over a 10-year period um, was significant. And so, um, and, you know, the other thing is this blank check to the state government so that it can continue to grow is is really very difficult. In the blue book, it says, um, you know, estimates about $10 billion over 10 years. And that is the blue book that is um, out there for people to look at. So when the governor kind of, like you said, does all these different, um, you know, look here, don't look here. I, I think it's really important that people truly understand what's going on. 
Um, and again, I think, you know, property tax is complicated. And um, so just I just ask people to remember the government does not need your table refunds. State government does not need to grow by $10 billion over the next 10 years. Um, there is an opportunity for people to stand up and speak out. And that's by voting no on HH and making the legislature go back to work for real clean property tax um, relief that is not tied to your table refunds. Representative Rose Puglisi in the General Assembly doing that work, wanting to go back to the table and hammer this out, figure it out, do the fighting in the General Assembly within the walls of that building and get something figured out. But they're trying to take the easy way out here, the Democrats and the governor, by putting this shell game, this switcheroo and prop HH on the ballot. Now, Michael Fields uh, from Advanced Colorado made the point that Rose just made about the blank check, and this is a really important point to focus on. Can I just also add the, the fungibility of money, the blank check part? I think that's absolutely true. Once you approve this money, the legislature can do whatever they want with it afterwards. So they're saying it's going to go to education or it's going to go to backfill. They can change that at any point when to approve it. So I want people to be aware. If you really trust state government to spend your money wisely, okay, then then go ahead and think that. But, th- you know, this is a blank check to them, and, just, and the money goes to state well, government. Do, uh, this is the ruse, really. And it comes largely, almost entirely, Rose, from the left in terms of, like you said, growing the government, getting more money coming in. It is fungible in the sense that they could reallocate those funds at any point for any purpose that they see fit. It's like when the lottery first passed in my home state of Michigan, they said, well, all the proceeds are going to go to education. But then the fine print was there was no set determining factor of what percentage of those funds would go there or if they could change that again willy-nilly at any time for any reason. And this is a big, I think, asterisk that's attached to Prop HH, not many people are thinking about. Michael mentioned it there, but Rose, what would you caution voters on regarding Prop HH if we just agree to send more of our money to the General Assembly? You know, I I think the biggest problem, and I agree with what you said earlier about Gallagher. I was against Gallagher for exactly the same reasons. Um, The legislature really doesn't understand property tax. You're giving all the authority to legislature to figure it out. Um, and there was no replace, and, and I think that's a problem. Um, but I, I, I want people to remember, right? So I'm a, a mom. I've got two kids in public schools. Um, funding education is really important to me, and it's so important to the people of Colorado. It is mandated in the state constitution that the state legislature fully fund education, which has not been done over the last 14 years. So in the Constitution, the state legislature has a mandate, and they found ways around it. But now they're saying, we need this money for you to fully fund education. We won't be able to do it with the highest budget we've ever had in Colorado's history at $38.5 billion. We won't be able to fully fund education. They had, the legislature had the money this year to fully fund education. They chose not to. Instead, they chose to bring you Prop HH and say the only way that education will be fully funded is if you give up your table refunds and that's just simply not true I want to follow up, Rose, with your firsthand experience of participating in this debate along with Michael, uh, head-to-head against Jared Polis. And the part that confused me the most and disappointed me the most was here steps in Art Laffer, you know, author of The Laffer Curve. This guy's a legend. He is one of the principal founders of Reagan economics and conservative principles uh, with regard to taxes. And yet he shows up. Uh, uh, flanked by Polis in favor of Prop HH. What did you make of Art Laffer's presence there, and how did you kind of take what he said about this issue? You know, 
What I really like to focus on is that this isn't a, a partisan issue. I agreed with Art Leffer on this. I mean, property taxes, tax policy really shouldn't be a, a partisan issue. It's really a people of Colorado issue. And, um, you know, I think that there's a lot that we can be doing around tax policy. At the legislature, um, we have an obligation to make sure our people are taken care of. And so clearly I disagreed with him and the governor on how they um, couched local governments. You know, as a former county commissioner, the only person on that stage who's actually allocated property tax and created a budget off of property tax, um, I think it kind of got lost um, on them that local governments really truly care about their people. So as much as they're worried about their budget, they also understand that people are really struggling under the weight of high inflation. Everything costs more, gas, groceries, housing. And so I think that there can be a balance if you bring the right people to the table. And unfortunately, when the governor created this um, Proposition HH in the back room without the people who actually are affected and use property tax in the room, you're just not going to get good policy. And I feel like, um, you know, Art Laffer doesn't live here. He doesn't know what had gone, gone on in the legislature, what is going on in our communities. So um, I think that's, you know, it was a hard perspective for him. Um, I did think it was interesting how both he and the governor said that we should be reducing the income tax. And um, I think that's something that we should definitely be working on as well. There might be some point of agreement there. But, Rose, in the minute that we have left, we know this is largely a messaging battle between now and November 7th. We've got two weeks here, and I've seen plenty of television ads, you know, pushing yes for HH. I agree with you. I give Kyle Clark and Marshall Zellinger 9 News credit from a journalistic standpoint, poking holes in some of the advertising that supported yes on HH. I've heard a lot of no on HH advertising here on our radio stations. But if somebody's out there trying to convince their neighbors, trying to convince their family members, to vote no on HH, where can they go to find that information to share it with those other voters? Um, I like our website, noonhh.com. Um, I think that that's a great website, um, or it's vote no on Um But I also, if I could just, you know, I was a grassroots activist. I've done a ton of door-to-door, continue to still um, talk to my constituents. If people can walk away with two things, one is um, the government does not need your permission to decrease your taxes, only to increase them. So remember that as you're voting on HH. And two, I ask people to use the property tax calculator to really see what the difference is between their, quote, savings in property tax versus what they're giving up in paper refunds and let them make the decision for themselves. You can find that information. Once again, vote no on HH.com. She's a representative in District 14, El Paso County, in the General Assembly, doing great work on our behalf. Representative Rose Puglisi, our guest. Rose, thank you so much. Keep fighting the good fight. Oh, thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Rose Puglisi joining us here on Uncommon Sense. More to come after this on 630 KHOW. And now, back to more Uncommon Sense with Leland Conway on 630 KHOW, Denver's talk station. All right. Uncommon Sense without Leland Conway today, Thursday, Friday. No twisted view. I apologize in advance for that, but we'll make up for it the following Friday with even more bourbon. I hope on site, and Kelly will be pouring that. Jeff Brantley, a.k.a. DJ Jazzy Jeff, a.k.a. just Jazzy for short. He's on the other side of the glass filling in for B-Large. I'm Ryan Schuling filling in for Leland, and you are filling in for you because nobody can replace you. We can't have a substitute audience. You're it. So thank you for tuning in. 
you are much appreciated. And your texts, 57-739-57-739. Start them, Leland. Let's go to it. Kind of a potpourri segment, if you will, and not the poopery that you put in the toilet before you go. You can't air it, but you can refer to it, says this texter. People's response to H.H. passing would be akin to Clark Griswold's rant in Christmas Vacation. You know what? I'm going to pull that together. I'm going to edit out the profanity that needs to be edited out, and I'm going to air that for you tomorrow, just as a demonstration of my faith to you. And the way I try to couch this uh, proposition, H.H., is just to call it preparation, H.H., because you're going to need it in double application if this passes. It is going to be a cornholing experience for the taxpayers out there. And I'll leave it at that. Yes, you're going to be left in the lurch. You're going to give more of your money to government to do with as they please, as Michael Fields points out. It'll go in the kitty. It'll be fungible assets. They'll be able to shift them around. They can reallocate them at any time for any reason. They don't have to tell you. Once the government coffers are full, they will do with it as they please. And as you know, we have a supermajority of Democrats in our General Assembly. The Republicans would be powerless to stop it for the most part. So don't give them more of your money. Make them go back to the bargaining table and hammer something out in a special session. That's what they should have done in the first place. And we thank Rose Puglisi, Representative El Paso County, District 14, for joining us in the previous segment to give us those insights. And Alexis says, Ryan, Rose is awesome. Pola sucks. That's a very cogent analysis on both ends of the spectrum there. And yes, Rose is awesome. And we thank her for her time today. Going back to a previous topic... This texter says, I want to see these migrants form a class action lawsuit against the city and county of Denver and the mayor for false advertising. Oh, touche. That would be a twist of fate right there. And I think they'd have a case because if we're a sanctuary city, again, all these platitudes that sound good, these bromides, as Michael D. Brown would call them, you know, the Democrats, they just feel they can win on feelings, feelings and caring and they're nicer, and they're better people, but they don't really care because the typical liberal I can sum up in one image, and that was the woman, the Stepford wife, the upper-middle-class white lady in Martha's Vineyard who had the straw hat and the oversized Jackie-O sunglasses and was clap, clap, clapping away with a tear, a single tear, down her cheek, applauding the loading of migrants on a bus to GT to the FO from Martha's Vineyard to Cape Cod. Because while they have lawn signs that said, in this house, no human is illegal, they meant for other people. They didn't mean for their little uh, Xanadu, where they live. No, 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 that's not their problem. Unless they're the help that they can, you know, pay under the table in cash. You, know, you may think I sound harsh, but am I wrong? That's, that's the question I always come back. Am I wrong? I'm not? Okay. Kelly says I'm not. But that's what it is. This is other people's problem. Just like Democrats like to spend other people's money, they don't care. They can call themselves whatever they want, sanctuary city, et cetera, as long as it's not their problem. Now it's their problem. Now it's Eric Adams' problem. Now it's Mike Johnston's problem. Because you send this signal out to the world that we are a haven for all immigrants, illegal and otherwise. Because no human is illegal. It's on the yard sign. You can see it for yourself. So bring them here, right? No, no, no. We've got enough of our homeless to deal with. Uh, Mike Johnston was supposed to put 1,000 homeless 
in domiciles by the end of the calendar years. Do I have that correct? I want to make sure I get that right. Yes, that's correct. Instead, we get even more homeless added to the mix as busloads of migrants come in with no ability to fend for themselves. Immediately, they go on food stamps. Did you catch that from the package I played? They show up. They're not even Americans, and they're going to collect food stamps from us? No. Think again. I want to get to this Thomas Massey tweet, and he's a good friend of the program. He comes out with Leland all the time. He is my single favorite member of Congress, Representative Thomas Massey, because he's not bought and paid for. Nobody's going to tell him what to do. He's going to vote his conscience. And even when I disagree with him, which is occasional, and in this instance, I think a little bit, I probably disagree. But he is a strict and fierce libertarian fighting for the individual rights of all Americans. And he says the following in this tweet. I condemn the barbaric attack on Israel, and I affirm Israel's right to defend itself. Good start. And I agree. Continuing, quote, However, I will not be voting for House Resolution 771 today because, one, it calls for sanctions on a sovereign country. Sanctions are a prelude to war and hurt the citizens of the country more than the government of the country that's being sanctioned. That is true. (coughs) Excuse me, continuing. And ultimately, sanctions create laws that will be used to prosecute American citizens who engage in trade, not citizens of the sanctioned country. In short, sanctions do not achieve their stated purposes but do breed resentment of our country abroad. Point two. It asserts the necessity of foreign aid commitments, which I have voted against. Our country is going bankrupt, and we can't afford to borrow money to send overseas. Yet this resolution states that we should. Point three. It contains an open-ended promise of military support that is so broad that it could be interpreted to commit U.S. soldiers to the conflict. U.S. troops should not be engaged in this conflict. Again, I mostly agree with what he's saying here. Point four, it tends to broaden the conflict to other countries when it would be better to keep the war contained geographically. So what I like about Representative Massey is right there, he spells out his vote, why he's voting that way. He's putting on the record, he's very transparent, very accountable to his, uh, not just his constituents, but the American people on the whole. And I largely agree with them. I think we have to be very targeted and specific With the aid we send to Ukraine, I want every dollar and cent accounted for. I want to know that it's a worthwhile investment, that we're getting some bang for our buck. And I mean that literally. Is Ukraine advancing in this war? Is it up to us to be the the sole proprietors of this? Where is Europe? Where are the NATO allies? Are they paying their fair share to borrow a favorite term of the Democrats? We can't do this alone. And one of the greatest accomplishments that President Trump had, among many, e pluribus unum, was getting our NATO allies to finally pony up and pay more of a percentage of their own GDPs for the whole cause. Because for years we were taken advantage of. And President Trump was absolutely right on that. Now, as far as Israel goes, this is a bit more complicated because our troops are being attacked. Brigadier General Pat Ryder says in this press conference, from earlier today. We know that the groups conducting these attacks are supported by uh, the IRGC uh, and the Iranian regime. What we are seeing is the prospect for more significant escalation against U.S. forces and personnel across the region uh, in the very near term coming from Iranian proxy forces and ultimately from Iran. So by virtue of our announcement over the weekend, 
Uh, we are preparing for this escalation both in terms of defending our forces and responding decisively. And I just want to emphasize the point that I made earlier, which is that we always reserve the right to defend ourselves, and we will never hesitate to take action when needed to protect our forces and our interests overseas. Yeah, we just can't take incoming fire from these Iranian proxies or the regime itself. And again, we are dangerously close to a broader conflict that Representative Massey warns about, but it's not a fight of our choosing. It is an alliance by necessity, the United States and Israel, and we have to stand by their side. We have to protect our own interests and troops overseas on those carriers, and Israel has to protect its own interests. One point here by Joe Scarborough that I want to go to break with, and again, he's not wrong here. But I want to expand the conversation one further step. In the 1980s, it was Bud McFarlane who took a Reagan Bible where Reagan uh, wrote, wrote a note to the Iranian leaders and uh, brought a birthday cake shaped like a key uh, that suggested an opening of, of, of a relationship between the United States and, uh, and Iran. And throughout the Iranian hostage crisis, we were... Uh, we were constantly looking for Iranian moderates. Barack Obama searched for eight years for Iranian moderates. Um, they're not there. They've never been there. What do we do? I mean, do, do we continue stumbling forward and just pushing this off to the next president until this country is, has nuclear weapons and starts using them or threatening to use them? A not-so-subtle reference to Trump, but he would not do that. That's not how he he fights wars. He takes out Soleimani, and he just says, tough, deal with it, to Iran, and they did, and they buckled under. But his point about Iran is largely correct. There are no moderates in that country. The mullahs rule the country. And I say the same thing about Palestine that I will say about Iran. I support the Iranian resistance. I oppose mandatory hijab. I want women to have freedom and rights in Iran. I know I sound like a radical feminist, but you won't find anybody on the left saying what I just said. I want that revolution to happen from within, but it hasn't yet. And why not? They want to reinstall the Shah 1979 style. That'd be better than what we have with the mullahs and the Ayatollah. It wasn't great, though. So that has to come from within. But the same thing can be said of Palestine. Where are the moderates in Palestine? Where are the rallies against Hamas in Palestine, condemning them for the attacks in Israel because it puts Palestinians at risk? There are none. But there are a hell of a lot of Palestinians who not only support what Hamas did, but celebrated it in the streets in Gaza. Where are the moderates? I would say that largely they don't exist, no matter what polls they're citing about. Well, not a majority of Palestinians support Hamas. Really? Show me the proof of that. I'll wait. Last break, coming back, wrapping up Uncommon Sense. After this, Ryan Schuling in for Leland Conway on 630 KL. On this edition of Uncommon Sense, a Wednesday, Ryan Shuling in for Leland Conway today and the rest of the week. Leland back on Monday from his elk hunt, hopefully with an elk in the bag. Jazzy's helping out today, so is Kelko. So we got a cast for you. It's just not the usual suspects, if it were. I want to give praise and commendation to Jake Tapper on CNN. They're doing the story right now that's entitled Father Details How Hamas Killed Daughter in Front of Grandchildren. And this is in stark contrast from the bunk we saw yesterday from Phil Mattingly and Aaron Burnett uh, singing the praises of Hamas because they provided deodorant and tampons for women in their in captivity. 
Absolutely disgraceful uh, pro-Hamas propaganda on CNN, but countered by the stalwart reporting of Jake Tapper, of Anderson Cooper, who I think has done a good job as well. Clarissa, Clarissa Ward is a hero. Now, mind you, this is a woman going behind the lines, Sharia law, having to wear a hijab in some areas, taking a lot of verbal abuse. She's right in front and center. Nick Robertson, another one. So while CNN draws a lot of criticism, and for good reason, like I just did, I want to give them praise where it's worthy as well. And we have to keep focusing on the atrocities of Hamas. We cannot let the world at large take their eye off the ball and try to equivocate and give some kind of false equality between the Israeli side and the pro-terrorist, pro-Hamas side. As I mentioned going into the break, there is no middle ground here for Palestine. They've bought the ticket they can enjoy the ride. They bought the ticket by electing Hamas to lead them in 2006. They haven't had an election since. Has there been a revolt? Has there been a rebellion? Has there been any kind of pushback for the Palestinian people to Hamas saying, no, we don't want you leading us. You're terrorists. You're going to drag us into a war. You're going to get my children killed. I don't want that for me, for my family. No, we don't see it. If it existed, we'd see it. We'd hear about it. Maybe they're under the thumb of Hamas. Well, guess what? We were under the thumb of the British Empire, and what did we do? Other parts of the world revolted against tyrannical leadership. It it needs to happen from within, whether that's in Iran or Palestine. And until it happens in Palestine, I'm sorry, they're going to pay the consequence of having Hamas as their leadership, and that will result in immense civilian casualties, yes. But that's not on the Israelis. And don't let the media paint it as such. More humorous note, this is just from today. This is just a sampler platter from today, your moment of Biden. And now, your moment of Biden with the 46th president of the United States, Joseph R. Biden. This is the moment when all I've done, all of the dreaming, scheming and screaming become one. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your big deal, including launching the new climate minerals uh, uh, and clean energy compact, because you have great assets that we can all use to uh, make sure that we move in the direction of clean energy. I want to thank the Israeli, uh, the Israelis, and the Palestinian, uh, Human President Sisi of Egypt. Oh my God! It, it's getting worse, folks. It was bad, and it was funny, and I kind of joked about it. This guy's—he's on the verge of just keeling over. Unbelievable. Well, as we stop that and look at the polls, it'll give you reason for hope. And I'm talking about confidence in why Donald Trump will win. And just for example, there are so many state polls, and these are the ones I'm keeping an eye out for. And one in particular just released about the state of New York from Siena. has Biden plus nine. And you're thinking, well, Biden plus nine. Folks, that's New York. Biden defeated Trump in New York by 23.2 points in 2020. The Siena poll says he's only up nine in New York. Keep an eye on those state polls. 
And keep an ear out for Dan Kaplis. He's next. Christy Burton-Brown filling in as well. Ryan Schuling, I'll talk to you tomorrow.